Welcome to The Road Back to You. Looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Ian Cron. And I'm Suzanne Stubiel. And we are glad that you're here. Hey, Suzanne, how you doing today? You I'm good? really good. You? Are you? I, you know what? I'm, I told you earlier, you got that You got that sort of cool top on today. Yeah, I'm, I'm in color today. You know, yeah. I travel so much, I wear a lot of black and white and mix is, is, and match black yeah, and white. You guys got, if, if wish everyone could see, you got like a flowers on. and Yeah, yeah. girly. It's all girly. Wow. Yeah, I'm lying. Well, okay, so there it is. We got a really good friend of yours and a new friend of mine on today for the second time on our on our show an amazing human being, Nadia Boltz-Weber, author of Accidental Saints, Finding God and All the Wrong People, several other books, a great speaker, Lutheran pastor in Denver, Colorado, and really, really an extraordinary human being. Yeah, Joe, Joe Stabile says, one of the best theologians he's ever talked to. Yeah, well... On top of all those other things. Let's, let's get into all that stuff today. Okay. Um, Nadia is an eight on the Enneagram, and for those of you who are new to the Enneagram, eights are called the challenger. <clears throat> no, so, they're not. <laughs> so there we Good go. Good morning, Nadia. I don't, I don't even need... Oh, we just said it. That, there it was. There, you saw yeah. an eight at work. That's right. Right, That's right. there. She's there. All right. Um, so what did I you want to go first. Talk? I want to go first. Oh, right, you go first. All right. Well, I just want to um, talk about the book a little bit. It's your third book, and um, I've loved them all. I'd like for you to just tell one of the stories from your book. Hmm. They're so beautiful. Well, so I have just this really, like, just, it's hardly worth mentioning, but just a small problem with anger. (laughs) And... You know what? That's a, that's a really shocking admission from an eight, isn't it? That's really shocking. I'm so stunned. I, uh, my first response to almost everything is, fuck you. Like, it doesn't... I, I, almost, I almost never stay there, but I almost always start there. And so... Um, and I can feel anger, like, in my body. It's like... It's like a speedball of adrenaline, cortisol, and sin, like racing through my bloodstream. Hey, for those of you who and- don't know what a speedball is, for those of us in recovery <laughs> do, I can see the other rooms of people in the room are a little confused, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and it like races through my bloodstream and it causes like my chest to tighten and my brain to like shut down into single thought mode. And... Um, and it makes me realize why exorcisms in the Bible were always so physical in nature. Because, um, like, it's never just, like, that sin of anger is, like, it's never something that's just in my heart or in my head, as guilty as those two are. It's also very much in my body. Mm. And... um I was, uh, we, there was a short period of time where we tried having two services at House for All. And I was fine during the first service, but between then and the second service, we had a short congregational meeting. Uh oh. Yeah. Um, in which something was said that just pissed the hell out of me. And like I managed in the moment to be gracious and calm, but I couldn't like, I couldn't stop what was happening in my body. You know, I was mm. so angry afterwards. And um, and I had to start the next liturgy, and I was so angry. And I scanned the room. I didn't even know who I was looking for, but I, like, scanned the room. And then I spotted this girl, Melissa, and I thought, it has to be her. And I, like, motioned for her, and she got up, like, she was very pregnant at the time. You know, belly first, bar- back arched, her hand behind her, pushing her up. <clears throat> and... um. She managed it with like the grace I had never managed when I was pregnant. Like, <laughs> and I thought about I thought about the time when I was that far along, and I was in Costco and with uh, Matthew and the canned uh, clam chowder soup sample lady said, 
you fellas want to try some soup? <laughs> <laughs> I was eight months pregnant. I didn't even look like, I just looked like a fat man. Like, I didn't even look pregnant. But anyway, so I thought of that, and normally it would make me smile, but at this part, yeah. at this point in time, I was too far gone. And so I signaled for her, and I, we walked into the hallway, and she looks at me with her big brown eyes, and she's like, what's up? And I said, honestly, I'm too angry to start the liturgy, and I just really need someone to pray for me. Would mm-hmm. you do it? Mm-hmm. And she didn't go like, oh, Pastor Nadia, I'm so sorry. What's wrong? She just she just took my hands and commended me to her Lord, and she said, she said, God, Pastor Nadia's in a really bad place, and we need her back right now. So break her heart with our love for her. Oh, oh man. And like release what binds her, right? And I felt like enough of the horribleness to leave me, uh, enough to get like liturgy started. And we went back into the room and um, and then during open space, which is this time after the sermon, that's like 10 minutes of prayer and contemplation and response. I see this couple with these five-week-old twins and I love, babies are just magic to mm. me. And so I, during open space, I like walked over and like reached for the baby like it was Aquafina in the Mojave, right? I was just <laughs> like, and I look at the dad and I was like, can I? And he said, yeah. And I held that baby and like lost in the complete gift of it all. And it felt like the rest of it left. It was like this exorcism. Mm-hmm. And and then I didn't, I was so lost in it. I didn't realize it was time to start the, the Eucharist. And everyone's looking at me, like waiting for me to get up and start. And I look at the dad and I'm like, can I just hold her for another minute? And he goes, I wasn't ready to let go of the baby. And so I stood at the altar with like one hand holding a baby and one hand up and chanted, you know, it is indeed right, our duty and our joy that in everywhere and all places we should offer thanks and praise to you. Mm. And it was like, I realized that, you know, sometimes the things that we need for healing and exorcism even. Reconnecting. me yeah we just lost you pick it up right there if you can jim says uh just that the things we need for healing are so often the same as the ordinary things right in front of us so so that's one of the stories and it's not like an extraordinary story right it's it's not like oh here's some like super cool thing my church did you know it's more like um yeah i was really pissed off and like one of the girls in my church prayed for me and I held a baby and felt better. Right. Like that's not, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It was all sacramental. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that struck me as you were speaking about that, and just in terms of, you know, transformational practices, I think there are different ones for each number on the Enneagram, but I think you just gave me one for an eight, which is that, you know, eights really struggle with vulnerability right. and the yeah. fear of betrayal. Big yeah. deal, right? And so, you know, if you hold a baby, you can be vulnerable without worrying about being betrayed by the baby. Totally. Right. And it so, doesn't feel weak. And it, But it gets you in touch with that right. softer, tender right. side. What a great thing to say to an eight. Go hold a baby. Right. Okay, and I'm gonna dogs. Or a puppy. And yes, dogs. or dogs. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Can I just say that, is it okay, Suze, for me to talk about coming to your house? Of course. Okay. So um, I just had a really, really hard... Uh, time in my life, I think it was August maybe, and uh, um, just I uh, had experienced a lot of loss, and uh, and uh, my a good friend of mine had moved, and I was just feeling really broken and really sad and really alone. And I called Suze, and I was crying, and she goes, "Honey, just get on a plane Monday, and Joe and I'll take care of you." <laughs> and so I said, "Okay, but could you not tell anyone? Like, don't post on social media and stuff, so nobody knows about this." But but I went out and um, and they they just took care of me. They fed me and they Joe took me horseback riding mm-hmm. and they took me to their friend's house. And what did they have, Suze? P- ten puppies. Ten, ten puppies. puppies. <laughs> ten puppies. They hadn't slept like, in days. There were puppies oh everywhere. 
Oh, it was so good. It's exactly what I needed. I, just I thought they were going to end the day with nine puppies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I mean, thought, uh, uh, here's the thing about Suzanne's house. Suzanne, for those of you who don't know, is a two on the Enneagram. She's a, a helper or a giver. And I can tell you, this is what I feel like when I go in your house. I feel like I just kind of went to a place that is the conflation of a Ritz-Carlton and a monastery. <laughs> where it's just beautifully, you know, it's with all these big stuffy chairs and like little things that could die of chocolates and Henry Nowen books, just perfectly, or Mary Oliver poetry books just set out. And you just come in and you just like, God, there's so much oxygen in here. <sighs> oh, I'm oh, so lovely. glad the two of you feel that way because I, yeah. you know, I'm just so glad. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even uh, have furniture in my dang house, but the, your house is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to get bossy now. I'm going to be bossy. All right, get on it. Because we are all three storytellers, and there's so much that we could talk about, but I really don't want to miss the opportunity for the two of you to talk about the Enneagram and your lives in recovery. Mm. So um, I'm um, setting the table for you to move into that conversation, and I'm going to uh, listen with our listeners, and I'm sure learn. Mm. Can you ask a question, though, for, for, first? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, what is it that you love about me the most? Oh, not that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, here's my question for you. Um, both of you were well into your recovery when you started getting really serious about the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, how does the Enneagram help you stay in recovery? Oh, yeah. Why don't you go, Nadia? Well, you know, this whole, people have asked me, hey, uh, you know, how has being in a 12-step program, like, influenced your ministry? I'm like, there's literally no way for me to answer that because I grew up in those rooms. I mean, I got sober when I was 22, and I'm still in those rooms. I still go to my home group. Mm -hmm. So since 91, and um you know, your only chance of making it if you're an addict or an alcoholic is it's really related to your capacity for honesty about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And they just hammer that into you. And so all your BS got you in those rooms and it's not going to help you in recovery, right? So there's a new path and that's a path of, of being really honest about, about your sin, basically, right? <clears throat> and so... Um, that's why I ended up loving Lutheran theology was that Lutheran theology is not afraid to talk about the fact that we're broken people, that we're, we're simultaneously sinner and saint, and that we're only here and given life by the grace of God. And so, you know, it's, um, it just, it just fit with recovery stuff. And then when I started learning about the Enneagram, the reason I'm drawn to it in a way that I'm not drawn to other systems is that it's kind of a negative system. Yeah. I mean, it's this, it's the one that says, here's your stuff. Like, like, you know how I tell people how to know what their number is, is to have people talk about each one and which one makes them cringe. Right. Like, when somebody's talking about Enneagram, which ones, when they're describing a number, makes you cringe. Might be yours. Right. Might be yours, right? And so it it's oriented towards that. But the reason I love it is it gives me compassion for myself mm -hmm. and for other people in a way other things don't necessarily. Yeah. And so it doesn't stay in that negative place. It gives you freedom because you can process it and deal with it and integrate I love that in a way that a super positive, like, here's how gifted you are. You know, here's all your gifts. It's like, that, not helpful for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like when, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll come across these inventories or these personality typologies and, and, you know, especially the more, you know, kind of really vapid ones you, you read about in some goofy magazine, you know, and yeah. they'll, they'll say stuff like, you know what, just to help you embrace who you are. And I'm always like, yeah, but what if you're a jerk? Exactly. Yeah. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? Like I the last thing you need to do is embrace who you are right now. Exactly. You know, I, I think I think for me in in recovery and you know and like like you Nadia, I've had you know in, into the twenty twenty seven. I've come up on twenty seven years. Yeah. Um, and still going to meetings. Uh, yeah. I, I still plugged into the rooms. I first of all, I, for me, self knowledge is a matter of life or death. Like, mm -hmm. if I don't know who I am, I will trip over myself and get into trouble over mm -hmm. and over and over again. 
Uh, and so that's been a, a huge thing. And, and I love what you said too, Nadi, because I, I went through a lot of years of self-loathing mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, um, just a lot of shame. Like I got a lot, that's my thing. You know, I got, I'm in that shame triad. I'm a four, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, the realization, like I realized one day when I thought about, you know, who I am, I realized, you know what? You weren't consulted. You know, you weren't consulted about the family you were raised in, the, the junk you picked up along the way, you know, about who you are. You just weren't consulted and you just mm-hmm. can't hold yourself responsible for those things <laughs> like, right. you, like you often right. do. And, sure. and it doesn't mean that I don't have to deal with my junk. It's not like I'm giving myself a hall pass to, you know, to continue on. It's just the way I am, you know, being resigned to it. It's like saying, yeah, no, but this is, you know, it's not entire, you know, you're in a fallen world, you're in a broken world, you're a broken mm-hmm. person, you weren't consulted about what particular dimensions of your life were broken, you got to deal with them, but you can love yourself and in the climate of compassion, finally you can change, it'll never happen in the, in the climate of self-judgment. And I learned a lot of that from the Enneagram. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, it's the other thing the Enneagram teaches, I think, too, is that everybody's got a story. Yeah. Everybody's got one. Mm-hmm. And everybody has an upside and a downside to their number. And And the thing that I... I have a question about is when you're when you're faced with a temptation of a substance. What like are you talking about? For well, it's alcohol for you, it's Cheetos for me. <laughs> but when you're faced with that reality, um, what what is the difference in self knowledge and self awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the two of you. I that's a really big question for me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nadia, you want to go? I don't know. I mean, there's a di- it's the difference between information and wisdom, mm. you know? Um, self-knowledge is like, oh, I have this information about who I am. Mm-hmm. But self-awareness is I have the wisdom to heed that information, yep. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, for me, I think of it as a sort of a three-step process, not original to me, but... You know, it was Calvin who said, you know, without self-knowledge, there is no knowledge of God. That's an amazing statement. That's the opening of the Institutes. Now, I'm not a Reformed guy, but I mean, I do appreciate the fact that that's, that, I think that is a universal sort of spiritual truth. You're going to say something. Before I go on, you want to say it? Well, I just want to say that I, I think for people who are struggling with whether or not the Enneagram it has a Christian perspective, right? I think it has a cr- Christian perspective from every denominational leader, founder. I think it's across the board, potentially, a Christian perspective. And I think it's a bigger perspective than that, too. And so for something to be true in that many ways means that it is wisdom and not just information and that it's applicable to everybody. And other than the fact that you can't do anything to get God to love you more, for God to love you less... It seems to me that there's so much bad theology that says you have to truncate yourself in some way mm-hmm. to be holy enough for God. And the Enneagram says, no, 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 the best part of you is the worst part of you, mm-hmm. or the worst part of you is the best part of you. And, and you're not, your job is not to get rid of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really is the power of it. It's that thing about, you know, similar use to set at Picator, which is we're simultaneously sinner and saint, 100% of both all the time. There's no way to get to where you're 60, 40. Right. You know, <laughs> right. it doesn't right. happen. So it is that that the knowledge and the integration piece is, is so important. And it's just a lifelong thing. I mean, I, it's so, I don't know. I, every time I think I've gotten somewhere, I end up behind it. You know, mm-hmm. like I just, I don't know. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because when people think they're yeah. somewhere and they don't end up behind it, they're yeah. not anywhere generally. Yeah. 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 That, that whole thing that we're going to arrive someplace, that's trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. By the way, just so you know, Susan, I've never met something that wasn't a substance that was attractive to me in some way. I mean, yeah. I pretty, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've Anything. had, oh my gosh, whether it's running or yeah. smoking. God, I love smoking. 
<laughs> no, you know, when I first went to meetings, everybody smoked. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I yeah. Loved. It was amazing. Yeah, I could just get yeah. in the room and get it secondhand or firsthand. It was so good. Uh, but seriously, food, you know, yeah, God, it's just, we're always trying to fill up the hole. Fill up the hole. And every number has a different, it has a different shape and form, but it, it's this. And, and, and I love what you just said, too, Nani, about, because I, and I think this might be Lutheran theology, because we know you were saying Joe said that Nadia's a great theologian, but this idea that, you know, um, trying to fix ourselves mm-hmm. is pretty much disastrous. That, that real spirituality, like for me, has been uh, letting God do for me what I couldn't do for myself. There's a, there's a room, there's something we'll hear in the rooms, or this idea that, you know, Christianity isn't something you do as much as it is something that gets done to, to you. you. Yeah. And yeah, it's something you endure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, think yeah, allowing I, is a big word there too. You yep. know, allow yourself to be who you are, broken and blessed. Yep. And um, we don't talk much about allowing. Everything seems to be so much about trying to be in control. Yeah. And, yeah. Luther talked about we. The only righteousness we have is passive righteousness right mm. meaning it is it has been given to us by god right, right. it's the only there's no earned righteousness to be yeah. had and yeah. so there's such an interesting thing to say here in that uh the number on the enneagram that has the most difficulty receiving happens to be mine mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that includes receiving grace and receiving mm-hmm. love and receiving forgiveness and receiving everything mm-hmm. and when you're the giver, uh, and that's kind of what you pride yourself on, then to be able to receive love from other people and trust it in some ways is just as hard for me as it is for you as an eight or for you as a four, which fascinates me. And Especially if it's like actually free, right? Yeah. That there aren't strings attached. Like it's just because you're like, if it's free, what value could it possibly have? Exactly. Like, exactly. I'd rather know that I earned it so then I know what the value is. Right, right. right. And if it didn't cost me anything, right. Right. How, can, how can I be worthy of it, too? There's that whole mm-hmm. weird thing that goes on. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I want to point out to the listeners about uh, when the three of us are on the show together is to just say that uh, there's a, a uniquely big difference between fours and eights in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. And yet I think when we're together, the um, the things that you share as fours and eights is so obvious. The connecting place that you have as a four and an eight is so obvious. And it's What in- is it you think? Because I have an eight daughter. I'm curious what you think that is, what the connection point is. Well, there's an intensity to eights and fours. Like there's an intensity of feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, in both of the numbers, you know, there's passion, I think, in both numbers. So, And a desire for authenticity in both numbers. Yeah. It's like, yeah, don't yeah, mess yeah, yeah. with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just give me yeah. whatever it is, just give it to me. Whatever the truth is, I just want to know it. Just yeah. put it there. It is, I think your differences come in how you respond emotionally. Mm-hmm. But when you've done your work, which is language we use all the time, which both of you have, it it so shortens the distance between the two of you yeah. emotionally, emotionally, and how you react to things. But you know, in our last show, remember I said to you, I thought that Nadia was maybe the most integrated eight yep. that I, well, at least that I picked up right away, like, holy smoke, like this person's yeah. done their work. Yeah. You know, and when yep. I mean work is they've done the work of, you know, aggregating self-knowledge either through suffering, you know, or through just doing, you know, therapy or counseling, whatever, you know, and then they've developed the ability to self-observe so that, you know, in the moment they can pull back and go, okay, why am I acting like a crazy person right now? Like, what is this pattern that's so predictable it's coming up right now? And this goes to your point earlier. And then once they can observe themselves in the moment, then, then that's called self-awareness because then all of a sudden you're not having to try to oh, self-observe. It. It's just yeah. now it's just in place all the time. You're yeah. not self-absorbed. You're just keeping an eye on your junk. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, there it is. And then you can go. So when you told that story about um, the baby, you know, and being pissed off in church, it's like an eight who was on autopilot would not have known to say, okay, right now I'm stepping back and I realize I'm a danger to myself and everybody in this room right now. 
So I'm going to, I see that. And so I have enough self-knowledge, I'm observing it. And then you had enough self-awareness to go, I need to get outside and I need to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and, and to great. intuitively know who to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need just anybody. Like right. I, I needed a woman with like, like new, pure, fresh life in hers, yeah. you know, to, to cast out <clears throat> the demon in mine. Mm-hmm. Like she had, because sometimes only beauty can cast out ugliness. Right. You know right. I mean? right. Right. So <clears throat> only new can cast out old and yeah. tired and weary and yeah, all of that. Can I go off, off to another kind of, I don't know, just another. I just love it when you ask my permission to do something. You know what? I, I don't, that's true. I do ask your <laughs> yes, permission you a do. lot to do I stuff. I like it a ton, but, but everybody should know that you're going to do whatever you want to anyway. But thank you. And yes, do go on wherever oh. we're going. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so. Um, I did cut you off We were listening to some Patty Griffin songs. I, what? I cut you off before you said that the reason you asked for permission has to do with age. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking that. Oh, good. Okay. No. But I was going to say, I, we were listening to Patty Griffin. Uh, oh, gosh, it just went to... Oh, you're back. Uh, we just were listening to Patty Griffin songs before you came on. Are you a, do, you know, you, do you like Patty Griffin? Are you, you from, um, did, did she do other voices, other rooms? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the cover record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. Okay, that's all I know. Anyway, she wrote, she's written a lot of really great songs. And I, I like to ask people, do you have an eight song that you love that's like, just it's, a, it's just eight? <laughs> this has got eight energy. You yeah, know? There's, a, there's Rage Against the Machine has a, <laughs> has a song that has this, um, has this refrain that goes, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. So... <laughs> oh my gosh, that is too rich. Okay, well, I just want to add to the richness, Ian Cron. What is your favorite song? That's <sighs> <laughs> like a four song. Yeah, it will be. Oh it my will be. gosh. Uh, maybe Creep by Radiohead. You know, oh. we're, we're, it's in that, it's in that, you know, yeah. why do you, you know, why do you love me? You know, it's like, you know, oh, God, you know. Um, there's a beautiful song by Iris Dement. Uh, he's a great, great, great songwriter called When My Morning Comes Around. And it oh, is beautiful so, song. Do you know that song? Yes, it's beautiful. You know, not a lot of people yes. know that song. And yes. I'm going to tell you something. That song has got that perfect four melancholy. Yeah. Where that last verse, I mean, it kills me. When my morning comes around, uh, it's from a new cup I'll be drinking. And for once I won't be thinking there's something wrong with me. Oh, that's a perfect four song. <laughs> yeah, and I'll look back to find that my faults have been forgiven, and that's when I'll start living when my morning comes around. Oh, that's so good. So predictably. She's amazing, yeah. Predictably, my favorite How about song you? is. Yeah, what's um, yours? <laughs> Can I Have This Dance by Anne Murray? <laughs> and Could you sing? I want to hear you sing a little bit. No, 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 no. Can I Have This Dance for the rest of my life? For the rest of my yeah, life, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. I'll be your partner. Yeah. Right. So um, the first time that I knew that I might be in love with Joe, mm-hmm. uh, we were at the State Fair of Texas, mm-hmm. and um, there was a band playing, and he asked me to dance. Mm-hmm. And my dad taught me to dance, and I'm a good dancer. And most men can't dance. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't expect a, a guy who'd been a priest for most of his life to be able to dance. And right. Joe asked me to dance, and I said, I'd love to. And oh my gosh, can he dance? Mm. <laughs> and it, that was the song. So I love it for that reason. Mm. But then here's the next reason I love it. Because I'd spent my life dancing with men who didn't know how to dance, I had learned to lead. <laughs> so about, I don't know, three minutes in, Joe says, um, Suzanne, you know, if you'd just let me lead, this would work really well. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it a hundred times to me since. But um, now you know what an eight would say if, if, yes, okay, yes, but (laughs) but and a four would say, I don't know, are you gonna lead forever? That's what she would say. (laughs) But listen to this when Joe, um, when I've been gone a lot on the road and when I'm home and I'm just a little down, just a little, or I'm feeling a little bit threatened, we'll get in bed to go to sleep and he'll 
that'll be the song that's on the CD player when he hits play. Oh, that's sweet. God, All right, so I love, I love this. You know, Jim's giving us a signal if we got to stop, and I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to keep going. So, talk, yeah. sorry, this is going to be a long show. Is that okay with you now? Do you get to run? I'm some? fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, let's talk about favorite movie characters who are an eight, a four, or a two. Or maybe it could just be a movie that really moved you as the, but, but in, in the context of your own number. Like, what, what, you know what I mean? Like, not just whatever. Yeah, so I already have an answer. I'll go while y'all think. Right. Uh, Family Stone's my one of my favorite movies. All right. And one of the reasons is because they have, it's kind of like Family Stabile. All of my children are represented in that movie. Uh, the mom is a two, the dad's a nine. They kind of have all their stuff going. So we always watch it together and punch each other. And right. I just love it because it's a visual of what I love. All right. Okay, and there's a two in there you identify with? Yeah. A real helper? Yeah. Okay, who plays that part? Uh, Do you remember? Yes, but I can't think of her name right now because I didn't think you were going to ask me. Okay. So Craig T. Nelson plays the nine, the right. dad. Yeah. You know, she's uh, older. She Woody Allen and she did Annie Hall. Oh, uh, Keaton. Yeah, uh, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. But, I yeah. love Diane Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's yeah. awesome. All right, Nadia, you. Eight movie, uh, eight character. So people can really maybe figure out what an eight's like. Uh, Furiosa. From oh. uh, Mad Max, the Mad Max movie that came out <laughs> so last year. Great. She, uh, I mean, what was she, she was if like. Jim protecting. is laughing. Who's an eight? Jim is laughing right now. She was like, she was this total badass who was protecting these vulnerable women and like drawing a line and saying, no more. I'm going to protect them and make sure they're okay. Mm. Gosh. That's, What's yours? Oh, man. Um. Actually, Jim and I share this. One movie that really moved me as a four, besides all of them, um, was uh, well, was In America. It's an Irish oh, film. Have you seen the, no, have you seen the movie In America? Oh. God, that movie kills me. Um, but I got to say, as a four, if you don't like... Here's a, here's a test for a four. If you don't relate to Edward Scissorhands, then you're not a four. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like, if you don't, totally. if, you know, it's like running around, cutting, you know, bushes up to make them look like crazy and That's really so great. irredeemably deficient, then you're not a four. And I remember That's great. I took a girl to a date to see Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> and I think thinking like, well, everyone would like this movie, you know, and it's that not so much. No, no not, not so everyone, much. Not everyone gets that. Not everyone gets mm. that movie. But fours do. So um, here's something I want to talk about. Nadia, your church... Um, it is a place where people get to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of come as you are, like as you really are. And people try to have that, but it kind of doesn't work for them. And um, it's real hard in Texas to create that kind of environment. When you already have a community where people feel free to come as they are, how is Enneagram knowledge helpful? Hmm. Well, my friend um, Paul Fromberg, who's the rector yeah, at St. Gregory of Mesa, in San yeah. Francisco, dear friend of mine, he says the same of, uh, of St. Gregory's that, right. uh, you know, you can come here as a very broken person, but you can't stay that way here, right? It's, it's the expectation isn't that we're not going to burn incense to your brokenness, Mm. like just because we're a place where we're okay with you having it. Right. So meaning do your work, you know, do your work. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think, uh, you know, it's easy. I've been, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is ambition. How does ambition show up in churches? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it shows up in churches all the time in ways that we don't realize that's what that is because it's being masked as a virtue. Mm -hmm. And so when really it's ambition, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could have this program for this broken population? Wouldn't that say so much about us as a church if we were doing that kind of work, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it seems like, oh, so charitable, but really it's self-referential, right? Right. And it's ambition. So I think um, the, the way ambition can rear its head in very particular ways in every community that I think is really good for us to be as honest as we can about. And so I think in a way, in a community that where our thing is people can come as they are, 
we can have ambition around that that keep that that can be unhealthy for the community mm. meaning that means we're never going to call people out on their shit because that just wouldn't be as welcoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And so I'm like, look, Christian community isn't about co-signing on each other's bullshit. You right. know, I mean, so not to have this hostile environment where the where the supposedly ma- like spiritually mature people are calling out the people, you know, I hate right. that type of thing, oh, too. Me too. But but I think there's a way through just absolute compassion people to say, hey, I love you a little too much to not mention the fact that you're spinning out of control right now. Or that thing that you did was really hurtful to some other people. I mean, you know, you have people who are borderline personality disorder or stuff that's just so damaging, you know, to 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 not draw boundaries is actually more damaging. But I think we can get so into this idea of ourselves as we're welcoming, we're inclusive. And then you go too far and it's damaging and it's all about the idea you want to have of yourself, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, you know, um, this is kind of touching on something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately, which is, you know, there's this all this literature and it's kind of just a spirit in the water a little bit, which is, you know, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. I'm just a broken person. And, and, then, and then, but, you know, but grace, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what, like, We've kind of thrown something out. It's a word you don't hear much, and if you say it, it's almost like a like a like a politically incorrect word in Christianity, which is called holiness. Right. Uh, and it's like we, you know, I know that there was a time when you know there was brokenness followed by you know sanctification was another word that when I was a young Christian used to hear a lot, you know, and it was overplayed and became legalism a lot of the time. But yeah. but I think we've kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. I think the Enneagram helps us in the pursuit of holiness because it, it mm. you know, we do, as you say, like what Paul says, you know, you can't come here and be, be you know, you can come broken, but don't ex- don't don't come here just expecting to get a hall pass to stay that way. Like, totally. like you can be broken, but like we're a people of resurrection and hope and transformation. And I just think that the Enneagram, among many other tools, whether right. it's Ignatian exercises or all these other things or centering prayer, whatever your right. particular temperament, yoga. Really, yoga, whatever, you know, gets you going. <laughs> I just think that it helps you to do uh, holiness in a way that is self-compassionate and self-loving in an appropriate way, which doesn't happen oftentimes. So that you can get on with the business of of being your truest and best self. Which is also bearing witness to the Paschal mystery. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's no rising, then we're in in trouble, I think. So, um, you know, 30 years ago, Joe and I had some significant spiritual experiences. And we went to a Vincentian priest who was like his spiritual director for a long, long time. And I remember we were sitting on the floor. He was an old priest sitting in a rocking chair. And Joe and I were sitting on the floor talking about it. And Joe said to him... Uh, what is holiness? And he said this, oh, that's easy. Holiness is having an open heart and pure intentions. Oh, I'm screwed. And <laughs> Yeah, me too. That's what I thought. I'm like, <laughs> oh, dear. Open heart and pure intentions. And so Jesus is the most holy, but not the only holy. We're all called to that, he yeah. said. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I guess... When I think about that stuff, to me, it's it's just like getting out of the way, right? Just trying to get out of the way so God's stuff, God's redemption, God's holiness can take hold. And that's why Enneagram stuff is, is helpful. It just it helps you get out of the way because when I had interns and stuff, I would give them the same talk, which is like, here's why you have to do your work is because your shit is right in front of you. And if you don't, and doing your work is grabbing a shovel, right? And getting it out of the way. Why? Because you have gifts and people need to be able to access them. And they don't, and it's best if they don't have to step in your shit in order to get to it, right? right? So it's really about sort of this clearing the way. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to return or that like you've arrived at some point. But like, you know, if we believe that we do have a God whose work is to constantly be redeeming and restoring all of creation through love, then 
boy, let's, let's like clear out some of our junk so that we can participate in that without it getting in the way all the time. Okay. So let me ask you a question. In Enneagram <laughs> language here, in Enneagram language, we would just say this, your personality gets in the way yeah. and underneath your personality is who you truly are right. as a son or daughter of God. Right. Go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, because I think a lot of people really struggle with this and because I always need new suggestions, right? How, and can you get granular with me, like practical with me? How have you done or do your work of, you know, to do the stuff that gets you out of, you know, tripping over your own, your own shit and, and getting to your truest and best self, like practically tell me how you do it. Well, I mean, there's so much, like I have had the same spiritual director for years, Jane Bernard. I don't know if you guys know Jane Bernard. Yeah. I've seen her for years. Um, I still go to AA meetings. Mm -hmm. I have friends who, um, I have very honest conversations with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I receive the Eucharist every week. I, um, I try to eat food made out of food, right? Right, Like I, I, I try to like take care of my body. I move my body as much as I can. Like, I feel like all of those things are what help this kind of work, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't do anything like sexy, you know, like I'm not like the like, oh, well, I have 20 minutes of contemplative prayer in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. or I pray the hours or whatever. Oh. Like for me, it's never it's just not something that's, that's sort of yeah. like super impressive. It's quotidian, honestly. You know? Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting. Brother um, Lawrence would love all of that. It's oh. like I get up and do my day. I and you know what's day. so interesting is I... I mean, I love, I mean, like I'm a big, I love working out. Like I, I, I do yeah. love that and stuff, but, um, as a four and as a two, or if you were a seven, uh, it, you know, all of us would have a very different answer as to what the work looks like. Yes. We you know, yeah. because, so this is a question I have about ministry for you as a pastor. I think this is a huge yeah. issue. And this is someplace, as you know, when, when, with our friend, Aaron, right. uh, was a, this was an epiphany for him right. when we were together with him, we automatically assume people in general that, that everyone looks through the world through the same lens and it's ours, right? So as a pastor and you're looking out, let's say at a room full of people or you're, you know, doing the work with people because you know, the Enneagram, how do you keep, like everybody is hearing you differently and like you're trying to convey, you know, uh, truth to people or important ideas to people. And, and, you know, how do you kind of do it in a way that you think, like, how can I hit the widest swath of people? Well, because like even just the last sermon that I preached, I had sometimes I think about Enneagram numbers when I'm writing a sermon. Mm-hmm. Meaning if, if I have a line in here, if there's a two, right, in the audience, what what's going to really speak to them? And so like I was talking about praising God for the fact that we're not God, like giving praise for the fact that we're not responsible for everybody, right? Giving praise for the fact, you know, and so I had all these lines. I had lines that were for threes, definitely for threes, definitely for twos, definitely, you know, and um, so I tried like just knowing that humanity comes in all these different varieties. Mm -hmm. I try as a preacher to have some kind of awareness of what those struggles are, that I can address those struggles when I'm preaching good news. Like what is good news to somebody who struggles with being a three? That is awesome. Isn't that awesome? Okay, that was worth the whole price of admission. When you say what, say that again about good news. What is good news for a three, right? Yeah, like what is it? Okay, so... Pastors, are you listening to me? Because I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a priest, but they won't let me have a church in the Episcopal Church because they're, they're trying to keep, they're trying to get that thing to stay alive. They won't give me a parish. But here's the thing, like in ministry, folks, like that's a huge thing. If you know the Enneagram, if you learn it, and again, we're not saying that, that the Enneagram is like the, some magical be-all and end-all thing. It's just, it sure a, is good though. It's good, but you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a crude kind of instrument to, to describe an incredible mystery, but it's very, very useful, right? And I like that idea, like if you're, whatever you do in ministry, as a worship leader, as whatever, you need to be thinking to yourself all the time, like, like what's the good news for these different types of people? And how do I say it in a way that they're going to be able to receive it most, they're most apt to be able to receive it. Well, and, and respond to it. 
receive it and respond to yeah. it. So, um, you know, Jim's the boss here, and he's telling us we got to wrap up. He's so, such an eight. He well, he bosses us around. It's a good thing because when he does, I withdraw, and you you just start loving on him. I yeah. just go to another room and write yeah. a poem. It's terrible. It ruins my whole day. <laughs> Yeah, you, you you are a powder at times. One oh, well, wait a minute. I mean, I'm just saying. So here's what we're going to do. That was, we're really? just going to promise ourselves yes. that uh, we'll have Nadia back on our show when All we can, as we can, mm-hmm. and promise our listeners the same thing. And I think I have a... Um, a great way for us to close, but first of all, I want to just say again, Accidental Saints is really an important book for the church today. Mm. Um, Joe is at annual meetings for our denomination right now, and he shared with me yesterday that um, Danielle Schroer, who we know, um, gave a really great talk on uh, witnessing and that we've kind of stopped doing that. We're just busy saving ourselves, and we're not witnessing. She's saying instead of witnessing about Jesus, we need to witness as Jesus witnessed, mm. which is really a great thing to think about. And until we go get the accidental saints, we're going to be bound up with people who are uh, trapped in intentional uh journeys toward sainthood. I, I don't think anybody who intended to be a saint ever got there. So read Accidental <laughs> Saints. Read Accidental Saints. Read it, read it, read it. Mm. Yeah, most people who try to be saints are just what Mark Twain said, are good in the worst sense of the word. Yeah. yeah. That's not what I was going to say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on that. And here's what I want to close with. No, you can't. I'm going to say something too before we close. All right, well, you say it because I'm closing. Nadia, can we be friends? Yes, of course. Can we leave the whole Neville Brothers disagreement behind us? Okay, I feel like I'm 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 ready. I'm ready to Are we leave ready it to be healed? Me. Can we be restored and I reconciled? Okay. We're friends Absolutely. now. I yeah. feel good about yeah. that. Jim, I'm I'm not sure what we've loosed here, but it it shall be. So I think based on uh talking about movies and songs, yeah. I I'd like us to close Sing. out this show with what's your favorite hymn? Oh, Nadia loves hymn singing. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she particularly loves mm. it with beer. Hymns and beer. She doesn't drink the beer, but her right. people do. All right. I bet they sing better. Okay, got one. Um, I I love Great is Thy Faithfulness mm-hmm. and Come Thou Font mm-hmm. and Blessed Assurance. Jim is pointing <laughs> to himself because he those are his favorites too. It's an eight uh, thing. And, uh, you know, How Great Thou Art. Yeah. Those are my four. Can I tell Jim? I'm sorry, but I got to tell a funny story. I'm sorry, I got to <laughs> tell this story. So you can cut it out. I don't care. So listen, I was uh, counseling a couple about getting married. They were young. They were like 21 and 22, and the the woman the in the in the relationship they were really naive. I mean, they're and she's like, okay, we're planning the wedding, and she had this really intense relationship with her mom, who was like sort of an engulfing mother type, you know. And she said, okay, so when, when, you know, we're going to change the music, like when my mom comes in, you know, like for the, when the, when the mother of the bride comes in, I said, okay, well, what do you want it to be? And she goes, she said, uh, how great thou art. And so I said to her, I said to her, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to repeat back to you what you just said. <laughs> and I want you to hear, just hear it like with beginner's oh mind. And she went, oh my God. <laughs> but, but think about, think about contemporary hymns right now. Like I loathe contemporary hymns yeah i don't like them and partly because at what point did we start singing as god in the first person you know that whole like i was there to hear your morning cry i'll be there when i'm like what (laughs) i wasn't there Uh uh-uh i'm not gonna be there Uh with thinking i'm god i don't need the hymns of the church to conspire with in you know Anyway. Those yeah. are great. Okay, so those are good hymns for eights. What about you? What's your favorite hymn? I think it'll surprise you. Really? Yeah. Really? Silent Night is my favorite hymn. That doesn't surprise me. It And it has been since I was a little girl. And I, I have no idea what that's about. But mm-hmm. I, um, that's just it. That is it at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I, I did my whole fight for women's issues when I was 
coaching right after Title IX at SMU. But I, I really, if we could uh, recognize that it's and mothers, I really like Faith of Our Fathers. Mm. Mm. I really like that song. Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, I, mine, I don't like the melody, but the words are so great, I'll endure the melody. Yeah. But mm. the words slay me, and that's there's a wideness in God's mercy. Oh, yes, beautiful. That That lyric will, I mean... For fours who feel irredeemably deficient, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. but for everybody, you know, like there's a wideness mm-hmm. in God's mercy, mm-hmm. like the wideness of the sea. Good night. Mm-hmm. That's great writing. Well, you know, I've never worried <laughs> that I'm not in the right denomination. Like, I, you know, I'm one of those people that thinks we're all going to heaven, so I'm, right. I, I've never worried about that. And I'm not too interested in dogma and doctrine. It just gets me in trouble, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think Jesus cares much, but... One of the things that I do feel like is a real lack in my life is that I don't know the music and the hymns from every denomination. Right. Mm. Because I, there are song there right. there are hymns that I've missed mm-hmm. because I've only worshipped in the Catholic Church and the United mm-hmm. Methodist Church in mm-hmm. all of my life, and I I feel like that's something I literally missed. Yeah, we didn't have it in the Catholic Church. I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and we just kind of mumbled until a melody broke out, but. We, um, I do know the words to every single song on Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones more than I do most hymns. <laughs> him, so. him singing, him singing with other people, is one of the great joys of my life. Right. I mean, it is, it is one of my deepest loves. Like a green belt. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, it builds community all yeah. by itself. You don't yep. have to do anything but sing. Okay, the boss says we got to go. <sighs> Nadia right. Boltzweber, I love you. I love you. I'm too. so glad that we're friends, and I'm glad you guys are getting to know each other better because you obviously right. have a lot to share. Yeah, man, mm. I'm, I've had a ball. Thank you so much, Nadia. I really, this has been great. Yeah, what fun. Let's yeah. do it again. Okay, all let's right. do. All right. Bye. She is like I, I mean I said this in our last show. She's really the one of the most integrated people. Actually, not just eight, but you know, really self-aware. You know, she's got a lot of self-knowledge, born of you know doing work and and suffering, and it's yielding incredible fruit in ministry and life. Yeah, you know, I um, I just respect her so yeah. much. She's very talented, and and she's uniquely different. And people um, have treated her well and not so well and yeah. um but I, the thing i like about her is that when you one of the things i like about her is that when you visit with her you know how deep it is mm-hmm. it's not talk it's what she's living from yeah well so i'm sure glad we had her on i'll look forward to having her on our show again you know we get to be with her and rachel held evans that's right coming up yeah. in chicago yeah september uh 29th um, we're the pre-conference event for the Why Christian Conference at Fourth Presbyterian Church right. in Chicago. The conference is sold out, but we still have some seats available. They're going really fast right. for folks who'd like to earn the Enneagram and attend Why Christian. So um, be sure and go to the website, theroadbacktoyou.com. Theroadbacktoyou.com. And uh, get your tickets so you can hang out with all three of us together like you did today. Yeah, gosh, we're going to have fun there. So come join us. Love you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Not see you next time. We'll be with you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Road Back to You, looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. Produced by Jim Chafee, engineered by Brad Bass. Our theme music is provided by the band Waterdeep from their album, Moment, written by Lori Chaffer. Please visit our website, www.theroadbacktoyou.com, for news, more podcasts, and information on our public appearances around the country. And you can pre-order our book, The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery, at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And join us next time when our guest will be Mike McCarg. If you're not aware of him, he is Science Mike, and be sure and tune into the podcast, Ask Science Mike.